Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. One of your required courses when you're in dental hygiene school is to take dental materials. And dental materials, I would like you to think of as like a cooking class, right? When you first learn how to cook, you're kind of messy. There's lots of ingredients. You have to measure things. And all these different ingredients come together to make a finished product. And much like cooking, making a cake or making cookies, when you are working with dental materials, it's important for you to know the character traits of good dental materials and how they react and how to measure them and how they properly go through the process of uh, going from just a material, maybe a powder or a liquid, into what we actually use as a direct or indirect dental material in dentistry. And for most of us as hygienists, we primarily deal with impression materials, and composite materials or materials that we use for sealant placement. But it's really important for us to have a broad understanding of the components of dental materials and the different types of dental materials and the properties so that we can understand the science behind the dental materials as well as the clinical application. So in this podcast episode, we're just going to cover pretty much the broad understanding of dental materials, which can be messy when you're learning, so that you have most of what you need to understand in the clinical setting. And I'll also have some study sheets and you can click on the link to get those as well. So hopefully this kind of provides you with everything that you need to know as far as like dental materials 101. So let's get started. What is a dental material? It's a compound that is used in dentistry in order to treat or prevent disease, right? So we're dealing with periodontal disease and decay, and we have a lot of repairing, rebuilding, and prevention to do, and we require the use of dental materials in order for us to achieve that goal. Some of the most common used materials in dental are things like amalgam restorations, sealants, some composite materials, and you'll see impression materials a lot in your course because you're going to be taking impressions on one another, gypsum products, we use waxes and casting alloys and lots of consumer products, right? That's where the whitening and the sensitivity and the cavity prevention stuff comes in. So there's lots of dental materials that we rely on for us to achieve our goals in patient care. So what are the character traits of a good dental material? Think about the environment. The oral environment is pretty crazy in there. There's a lot of acidity, it's wet, it, there's temperature variations with both food and, and all kinds of things. We have a lot of demands, uh, a lot of things that we ask of for our dental materials in order for them to be effective in the mouth. So it has to be biocompatible. It has to be able to withstand that harsh environment of the oral cavity. There's a lot of aesthetic demands, right? Patients want things to look good. And if it doesn't look good, they don't care if it's functional. So you have to keep the aesthetics in mind. Can that dental material endure a significant amount of temperature change? And can it withstand the chewing forces of occlusion? 
And keep in mind, chewing forces of occlusion vary from patient to patient, and we're asking a lot of those dental materials. And how does that dental material degrade over time? How long is its shelf life, and how long can it withstand that harsh environment? The materials, dental materials, can be impacted by the oral environment, and also the oral environment can be impacted by the dental materials. So it's an important concept for you to keep in mind as a dental hygiene student that you need to understand how we select some of these materials. So the standards for dental materials, so you have three classifications. So class one, these are the least regulated dental materials, things like profi paste and toothbrushes. And then you have class two dental materials, which need to have approval by the FDA, and they have to meet current standards on stuff that's already out in the market. And things like amalgam restorations and composite restorations and some sealant materials fall into a class two standard. And then class three requires pre-market approval from the FDA for it to go on the market. And it's the most heavily regulated class. The approval must be obtained based on research and data. And an example of a class three dental material would be something around uh, a bone graft or something in the implant industry that's new to market and new concepts. Classification of dental materials is done by things like use, longevity, and location. And examples of longevity considerations, these are the things that patients really care about, are things like permanent restorations. Those are the longevity considerations. How long will this restoration last? And some dental materials are used for interim restorations. These are like provisional things, like provisional crowns. And then temporary restorations, those are short-term uses of dental materials. Those are things like your temporary crowns. When we use dental materials in the clinical setting, we are thinking about it in two broad categories. You're either doing it indirect or direct. Indirect use of restorative materials would be making a direct replica or a model of the patient's dentition and then fabricating using dental materials something outside of the patient's mouth. This is an indirect application of dental materials. Now, direct application of dental materials would be when you are placing the dental materials directly in the mouth, in the oral cavity. So you've prepped the tooth and now you're going to administer the dental materials right into the area. And something like a composite or a glass ionomer or cement are examples of the types of dental materials you would use in a direct way. Now, impression materials are used to make a copy of the dentition and the surrounding structures. And what it does is it allows dental work and fabrication to be done without the patient in the dental chair, because some of this manufacturing and creation is very time consuming. You have to sit down with the models to really understand how it's going to be put together. And a lot of offices do this for things like temporary crowns, crowns, bridge work, partials, dentures, ortho. The dental hygienist uses wax in order to modify the shape of the impression trays. This creates a vertical wall around the impression tray and creates stops, which increases the quality of the impression. And keep in mind, it also increases the patient comfort. We also use wax when we make a bite registration, and this creates an imprint of the occlusal relationship between the two dental arches. Now, alginate is a popular choice to use when you are creating study models. It's water-soluble, 
It's hydrophilic and it's called an irreversible hydrocolloid. You mix the powder and the water together and keep in mind that the water temperature impacts how the material responds. It's important to aerate the powder to reduce the risk of settling or compacting the powder. Now, how do you know you get a good impression when you take it? Now, keep in mind, there's quite a learning curve to taking an impression. You have a time limit when you're making it. So you mix the water and the powder together and you've got to get yourself whipping and you put it together and it kind of comes out like smooth, creamy butter. And you load your impression tray, which you've already pre-waxed with the edging, and you load your impression tray. And it has to be loaded just right, too. You don't want it to be too far forward or anterior or too much material in the posterior region. And then how you seat the tray in the patient's mouth does matter. Pull the lip out of the way so that you don't end up with any voids. So there's lots of learning to go on when you are developing an understanding. And I think one of the challenges that exists is that it's under a time constraint because you only have so much working time with the material before it sets up. Be a little kind to yourself when you're going through this process. Now, you know you have a good impression when there's an even distribution of the impression material across the entire impression tray you'll see that there's great detail of the occlusal surface anatomy and the gingiva without any voids or air bubbles. The flow of the impression material posteriorly includes the maxillary tuberosity and the retromolar pad regions without being too posterior. You have an adequate amount of tissue displacement capturing the alveolar ridges. And these are the things you're going to be looking for when you take the tray out of the patient's mouth. Were you able to capture the mucobuccal fold regions? Is the entire impression embedded within the impression material with no portion of the impression tray projecting through the alginate or other impression material? So these are key factors to help you know whether or not you've taken a good impression. The impression should capture the hamular notch on the soft palate for the maxillary and the lingual frenum in the mandibular impression. When you're using alginate for impressions, it's important to rinse the impression tray using tap water and then spray it with an iodophore disinfectant. Wrap the impression in a damp paper towel and place it in a plastic bag. This helps reduce the chance of shrinkage prior to pouring, which is one of the side effects of using alginate. So you want to keep that shrinking from occurring. When an alginate is exposed to air, shrinkage and distortion can occur. And when an alginate is exposed to water, distortion can occur. So you don't want to have too much water and you don't want to have too much air. Just right, right? Just like baking those cookies. Now, after you've taken impressions, you have to pour up your models. And there's different types of gypsum products to choose from. Some products are fine powders that are mixed with water that forms a fluid mass, right? So you're doing some more whipping and you are under a time constraint, but the time constraint is not as fast as when you do the alginate. So you have a little more working time. The gypsum product will harden into a rigid, stable mass or stone, right? There's three main products, gypsum products, um, there for you to understand and know. The first is plaster. And plaster is used depending on the need for strength and dimensional accuracy. Plaster is a beta calcium sulfite hemihydrate, and it's a type 2 gypsum. 
It's white. It was the first gypsum product used in dentistry. Stone is an alpha calcium sulfate hemihydroxate, and it's a type three gypsum. It's yellow. And this is the most common gypsum product used in dentistry. It's less porous than the plaster. It's a little bit more expensive than the plaster, but it's very durable. Now, the third type of gypsum product that you need to understand is dye stone. And this is an alpha calcium sulfate hemihydrate and an additive is added to it to increase the durability and the wear resistance. This is a bluish green stone. This is a type four gypsum product. It's also known as improved stone. And this is used for things like crown prep models. All three of these products are used to make study models, casts, and dyes. Each one of them serves their purpose. A few things about gypsum products. The water must be added to reconstitute. And the more water that's needed, the greater the setting expansion and the lower the strength of the final product. So it's important that you understand how the water impacts the stone and durability in use. You wanna put the water in the bowl first and then add the powder gradually. And for optimal mix, the water should be measured and the gypsum should be weighed out. Air bubbles are our biggest challenge when it comes to gypsum products. The air is incorporated into the mix and it will cause voids in your models. Add the gypsum to the water to reduce the air within the mix. Now, typical usages of these models are things like orthodontic models, and those are typically poured up in plaster. Study models are typically poured up in yellow stone, and crown and bridge dyes or models are usually poured up in the blue-green dye stone. A criteria for an acceptable study model must be free of voids or bubbles. The occlusal plane also known as the curve of speed, must be horizontal to the base of the model. The model should include all the necessary anatomy that's required, and it should be approximately an inch and a quarter in height, roughly. It's important to follow the correct process for pouring and trimming your models. Be careful not to break teeth in the removal process. So that's when you separate the cast, when you take the impression tray off the setup model. That's a very stressful time. The base needs to be parallel to the occlusal plane. And you want to make sure that the maxillary base and the mandibular base is even in size. The surface should be smooth and free of any voids. Remember, this is like a an art piece, right? So you're making an art piece. And so you want it to have certain criteria but it also has to look nice. Some of these models are used for presentation to the patient. Fabrication of an aesthetic and useful model properly mix the gypsum to the specifications. Fill one tooth at a time and let the gypsum product flow from tooth to tooth. But be careful not to lock the tray into the cast. What that means is when you pour the base after you've filled the impression with the gypsum product, you want to make sure that the impression tray doesn't settle down into the stone of the base because when it hardens, it'll be really hard for you to get your impression tray to unlock from the model. Now, there are other ways to achieve an impression. And in today's world, we have lots of technology, digital technology, to help make our lives easier. Lots of CAD CAM technology out there. 
And there's also a broad range of other dental materials that help us achieve a dental impression. There are some non-aqueous materials used in dentistry. Those are water-insoluble materials. And these materials set by polymerization. It's used to achieve fine details without distortion or shrinkage risk. Remember I told you that the alginate has a shrinkage or distortion risk. So when we're looking for really detailed, finite, um, tight margins to be cast when we're doing something like a crown or bridge margin, we use different materials in dentistry to achieve those impressions. And there's drawbacks to all of these things. So I will tell you one of the biggest challenges with pouring impressions, with taking impressions on a patient, creating study models is the time factor, right? Managing the patient. Use everything that you already know in dentistry, right? It's important to have your patient in the correct position. It's important to have yourself in the correct position because just when you think that everything's working against you, time is working against you, and you're having a hard time getting everything accomplished by the time you need to, you realize that you're in an awkward position holding this tray in place in the patient's mouth and you need it to hurry up and set up because you're in an awkward position. And that's when things slow down. Oftentimes I see students have their patient too high up in the chair, seated in an upright position to do their impressions. So make sure just before you start mixing your dental materials together to create your impression that you look at your patient and make sure that they're seated in the chair and that the chair is lowered so that when you are holding the impression in their mouth, you're using your own leverage and you don't have your chicken wings out to the side and kind of holding your shoulders up by your ears. That ends up being very awkward for you. So starting with the basics, the foundational skills of what you already know goes a long way at making your impression come out well because you'll feel less awkward. It's just like when you're in radiology and you're trying to take the the images on your patient, if you don't have your patient in the right position, everything else is just harder. Impressions are no different in that way. So use what you've already learned and what you already know on your learning journey to be more successful when you're trying to take an impression on your patient. Learn how the material works. Now there's fast set alginate and then there's regular set alginate. And keep an eye on the temperature of the water because the warmer the water, the faster it sets. Use the cooler water at first when you're first learning so that it helps you have a little bit more working time. And the other thing I see uh, when you first are mixing it in the bowl, remember it's a powder uh, and students will sometimes get the powder everywhere. So if you get the powder outside the bowl, now your ratio is off. It's almost like making cookies and starting with the flour and turning the beaters on and the flour just goes all over the counter. So when you first start mixing the water and the powder together, press it against the bowl so that you can get all the powder mixed and then you can start whipping a little faster. Once you've actually got all the powder a little bit wet, then you can start whipping, 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 whipping to get it to a nice smooth consistency. I tell patients it's like pudding. So if you get it so that it's the consistency of pudding and it's nice and smooth, then you'll quickly place it into the tray and then it sets up in the patient's mouth. The key is to not take too much time to whip it in the bowl because the time matters. And the faster you are at whipping it in the bowl, 
the more working time you'll have to place it in the patient's mouth and get it seated so that it doesn't harden up before you get it seated. Now, when you're placing the trays in the patient's mouth, you always start with the mandibular arch first because a lot of patients have a gag reflex and they will have a harder time with the maxillary impression. So the mandibular one is a warm-up impression, a little warm-up for you and a little warm-up for your patient. So you'll fill the tray for the mandibular arch. You'll place it in the patient's mouth, seating it from back to front. Pull the lip out around the tray and have your patient lift their tongue up. That will give you your best chance of a good impression. When they lift their tongue up, put a little pressure on the occlusal surface to make sure that the tray is seated all the way down and then let everything firm up. The biggest error that students make is the patient is too high in the chair and they don't pull the lip out and around the tray. So if your lip is stuck under the tray, it creates a void. Remember, you wanna get the all the frenum and the mucobuccal fold, you wanna get the vestibular region and you can't get that if the lip is in the way. So pull the lip out and then just press against the tray so that you can get the impression material to flow down where you need it. After you've taken the mandibular impression, when you see that it's hardened up by pressing your finger against the side of the impression material, checking the alginate in the mouth, keep in mind that the patient's body temperature will help firm it up. So even if it's not firm in the bowl, it might be firm in the patient's mouth. You're going to remove it by gently putting your finger on one side underneath in the fornix area and pushing up so that you can unlock that suction from one side and then the whole thing will come out. Make sure that you're not evaluating your impression tray and the quality of your impression. Remember that, how will I know I have a good impression? Make sure you're not evaluating that until you've already assisted your patient, provided them with a paper towel so that they can clean up. That's the other thing I often see as students are checking out their impression to make sure they didn't get any voids and their patient is sitting there with impression material all over their face and they don't know what just happened to them. So be sure that you're taking care of the needs of your patient while still getting and achieving your study model. When you do the maxillary arch, you're going to make sure that you evenly place the material in the tray. But when you seat the tray, you want to be at uh, 11 o'clock or one o'clock if you're left-handed and seat the posterior, come forward, seat the anterior, pull the lip over as you're bringing your two pointer fingers forward, pull the lip right over and then make sure that all the impression material is up in the vestibular region. This will help you avoid any voids or having the lips stuck when you're doing that maxillary impression. You have to hold the tray in place so that you don't get distortion and it doesn't shift. You wanna make sure it's fully seated. So it's just simply holding your fingers right up against the tray so that it can firm up. The same as the mandibular arch, when you are removing the tray from the mouth, you're going to unlock it from one side up in the molar region. You're simply going to apply pressure to the edge of the impression tray in a downward motion so that it will break the suction, so that it will break the suction. You will remove the tray from the mouth and provide the patient with a paper towel so they can wipe their face in case you got any dental materials on their face. Impressions take a lot of practice, but it's worthwhile to get really good at it. And you will learn about some of the other technology, but I will say 
dental materials is just one of those really fun things. It's just like being messy in the kitchen. Sometimes the best cookies come out of the messiest kitchen. So don't be afraid to make a mess. Don't be afraid to um, use all of your management, patient management skills that you've learned so far to help you be successful. And I think it's really important to take impressions on one another so that you understand what your patient is going through when you take impressions on them. Have fun with this. Look for a future episode that will talk a little more about sealant material and some of the other dental materials that you need to know about as a dental hygienist. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying! I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.